Enough Peter, Peter Mitchell, I'm for joining us again. Now we're, we'll hear from Mr. Leo Holman. His website is leoholman.com. That's L-E-O-H-O-H-M-A-N-N.com. Leo Holman is an investigative reporter. I've known him for a number of years. He's a courageous journalist who seeks out truth in order to educate his audience. And today here at Regent University, Leo Holman will share his cutting edge findings and warnings regarding the World Economic Forum. The World Economic Forum is at the forefront of advancing global governance today. And I highly encourage those who are watching online to send a text or send an email or go on your Facebook, invite your friends to hear Leo Holman's presentation and to join us now to hear this important message from Mr. Leo Holman. Leo? Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you for that introduction, Dean Bachman. I'm here today to talk about a new global system that maybe some of you haven't heard too much about, but it is rising up right now in our midst at this very moment in history on the world stage. Dr. Henry Kissinger and the late Zbigniew Brzezinski called it the New International Economic Order. That was back in the early 1970s. In fact, there's a great quote from Dr. Brzezinski that I love to share with my audiences. It comes from his book published in 1970 under the title, Between Two Ages, America's Role in the Technotronic Era. That book was dedicated, by the way, to his daughter, Mika Brzezinski, who still is a key player right now today in the information war being waged against we, the American people. This quote I'd like to share from his book sets the tone for my entire presentation. So let's read it together here and let it sink in. And remember, this was written 25 years before the internet and some 35 years before anyone heard of Facebook or Twitter. And uh, he writes, the technotronic era involves the gradual appearance of a more controlled society. Such a society would be dominated by an elite, unrestrained, by traditional values. Soon it will be possible to assert almost continuous surveillance over every citizen and maintain up-to-date complete files containing even the most personal information about the citizens. These files will be subject to instantaneous retrieval by the authorities." Unquote. Now, I don't know about you, but that quote written in 1970 was prophetic and it was very revealing. What he's talking about there is a new global mo movement that would have been unheard of in his day, but it, it was the technocracy movement. Now let's define technocracy. What do I mean by that? Technocracy, according to the great Patrick Wood in his book, Technocracy Rising, is, as he calls it, the science of social engineering. The science of social engineering. I like to refine that a little bit more and call it the science of human control. The end goal of technocracy is a dictatorship where the most powerful people in society are not politicians, but unelected experts, bureaucrats, scientists, engineers, and data collectors in both the public and private sector. President 
George Herbert Walker Bush referred to this emerging system in 1990 as the New World Order. Joe Biden echoed that claim just last week in his speech in Poland, where he said a New World Order was, on, was at the precipice, and he punctuated that by saying, quote, unquote, it's coming. Now it's fashionable among the elites today to reimagine the New World Order by calling it the Great Reset. That sounds less conspiratorial and much more 21st century. But it's really the same thing that the United Nations calls sustainable development or Agenda 2030 with its 17 sustainability goals outlined 1 through 17. You can go on their site and read them. Whatever you wish to call it, I agree with Mr. Biden, it is coming. The question is, how will we respond? Will Christians stand against it when it gets here? And is it right now at the very door? I believe it is. The major power center pushing the Great Reset lies within the World Economic Forum. Based in Davos, Switzerland, that organization is led and by its founder, Dr. Klaus Schwab. He's an economist and an engineer uh, who is a citizen of Germany. It meets every year with the world's most powerful elites in attendance from all sectors of life, business, government, entertainment, academia, and technology. What we are talking about is the cultivation of a system that I like to refer to as the Fourth Reich. I've also called it the beast system. It shares many of the values and worldview characteristics of the Third Reich, that being a belief in a new master race, the use of eugenics, technology, and zero tolerance for dissent. This system, when fully implemented, marks the end, in my opinion, of pluralistic America. The Nazis had the death camps for those who des they designated as unfit for society. The modern Western technocrats have big tech, big pharma, and a Planned Parenthood network of abortion clinics to perform essentially the same task of weeding out undesirables. Both believe in a system of rewards and punishments based on how obedient you are to the system. Do not confuse what you're seeing see going on in America today with the communist revolution. In my uh, personal opinion, a lot of conservatives make that mistake. They think that we're undergoing a communist revolution. Unlike the communists of old, the Third and Fourth Reichs believe in using, not eliminating, the wealthy capitalists who engage in free enterprise. The high priests of the Fourth Reich like their ancestors in the Third Reich, are expert at using propaganda to create a cult of groupthink. They also call it the hive mind, if you will. The difference is that the Third Reich would throw you in a concentration camp if you did not conform to the propaganda messaging, whereas the leaders of the Fourth Reich would prefer to cancel you from your job, cancel you from your health care, your educational opportunities, and eventually they plan to cancel your bank account and therefore your ability to buy and sell. This will be uh, all done through what? Digital pa health passports, digital money, and a little QR code on your cell phone. Eventually, it will go under your skin. Klaus Schwab says we should expect a new type of human being, being uh, coming into emergence who will thrive in this type of a society. 
Under this system, you have no rights, only privileges. Driving a car, owning a single family home or a family farm, owning a firearm, even having access to health care or a bank account will all be among the privileges you, are e you will either qualify for or you won't. Biden, just two weeks ago, Joe Biden issued an executive order calling on several federal agencies to formulate a plan to create a new digital dollar, which will be designed to eventually replace our physical paper currency. This new currency will not only be digital, it will be programmable and trackable. That means everything you buy, where you bought it, how much you paid, will be tracked by the government in real time. Such privileges will be doled out based on how obedient you are in this, to the state and its corporate partners. Remember that part, corporate partners. What happened to the truckers in Canada when they did not stop their protests uh, when they were told to get out of the streets? The government talked it over with the banks and boom, within hours, their, account, their bank accounts were closed. Pay attention to how everything today is done in the name of PPPs. What are those? Public-private partnerships. Governments working in concert with private corporations. This is a much more powerful way of coercing their subjects to obey, especially in nations like the US where we have a strong constitution and a history of limited government. Where the government is prevented from acting they simply hand the ball off to their corporate partners, which employ millions of Americans and sign their paychecks. How did they get people to take the unproven experimental vaccine? They simply threatened their jobs. Now, if I can switch to our next slide here. I've got... BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. That man right there is Larry Fink. He is the president, founder, and CEO of the world's most powerful corporation, BlackRock. BlackRock owns between four and six, up to 10% or more of almost every major company in the world that you can think of. And what was he talking about here, forcing behaviors? The World Economic Forum which he happens to also be on the board of trustees of, uh, is the premier voice, they consider themselves the premier voice of public-private partnerships. This is key to understanding their mission. Whenever you hear Biden or some other politician talk about our partners in the private sector, you know they're a globalist following the World Economic Forum template, a template for total world domina domination. They, don't re they do not represent you, the voter. They represent the interests of transnational corporations and the World Economic Forum. That's why the COVID response led to the demise of so many small businesses, while it was a gravy train for companies like Amazon, Walmart, Costco, and Home Depot. Look at the response to the uh, recent invasion of Russia into Ukraine. This was the first time in human history we saw a complete synchronization of government and private corporations. No sooner did the government say we want to put sanctions on Russia and McDonald's, you know, uh, G GE, all the major companies pulled immediately out of Russia and announced it with much fanfare. 
Now, the other thing we need to know about the people at the World Economic Forum is they are very much into the transhumanist agenda. They have no regard for humanity. They have no regard for personal liberty or the pursuit of happiness by independent, critical thinking citizens. God created us with a free will, right? But under the technocratic movement, you are denied ownership over everything. That includes not just your physical assets, but your body and even your mind. They say you will own nothing, have no privacy, but somehow you'll be happy. The new definition of happiness, of course, is you accepting the idea that you are no longer in control of your own body or thoughts. They tell you that the size of your house, they tell you what size of house you can live in, what type of car you can drive, how much energy you should be able to use per year, what your carbon footprint will be, right down to what you can eat. Meat, as the Haas uh, hinted in their presentation, meat is now evil. Gas-powered vehicles are evil. They intend to basically price you out of all these options as a middle-class American. The idea is to coax you into behavioral changes, as Larry Fink suggested. When the carrot doesn't work, they will switch to the stick. This requires, as Klaus Schwab says, changing not only our way of thinking, but changing you physically. How? By creating transhumans, or what they call humanity 2.0. How many of you are familiar with transhumanism? Transhumanism is the merging of man with machine to form a new hybrid being, no longer fully human in the way that we think of humanity today. It's a whole new species. In their view, it's the process, it's the next stage of evolution. This will be achieved through gene editing and artificial intelligence driven by computer algorithms. Take a listen to what Mr. Schwab had to say about this subject, and this was back in 2016. Aujourd'hui, au bout de ça, on parle de puces qu'on pourra s'implanter. Ce sera quand, ça Certainement dans les dix années à venir. Et d'abord, on va les implanter dans nos vêtements, uh -huh. c'est-à-dire wearables, comme on le dit. Et après, on pourrait s'imaginer qu'on les implante dans nos cerveaux ou dans nos topos. Et à la fin, peut-être il y a une communication directe entre notre cerveau et le monde digital. Ce que nous voyons, c'est une sorte de fusion du monde physique, digital et biologique. 
on appelle quelqu'un, on n'a même plus le réflexe de devoir prendre un appareil, ça se fait naturellement. Hein. La, la, la technique continue le corps. Oui, vous, vous, vous parlez et vous dites, je veux maintenant euh, euh, être connecté avec n'importe qui. Hein? Et d'abord, vous avez les robots euh, personnalisés. Et j'ai vu que M. Zuckerberg euh, a prédit qu'à la fin de l'année, il va avoir son robot, son battler personnalisé <rire> ouais. qui est à sa disposition. Donc, comme dans Downton Abbey, on aura son, son butler personnel, son serviteur, son esclave. Oui, mais, mais il y a une différence. C'est un serviteur qui, avec euh, l'intelligence artificielle, apprend et qui n'est pas seulement euh, votre assistant pour des travaux manuels, qui peut vraiment être un partenaire intellectuel de vous. Okay, so you get an idea there of what he's thinking about in terms of transhumanism. I did want to, I didn't mean to skip over this one here. When Larry Fink is talking about forcing and using corporations to help force people to change their behaviors, this is just one small example of how uh, they're looking to change our behaviors. And this is the, just on the topic of transportation. They have behavioral change, changes planned for every facet of your life. And we don't have time to go into all of them, but let's just look at one, transportation. Uh, and Pete Buttigieg, by the way, is our transportation secretary right now. He is a uh, graduate of Klaus Schwab's Young Global, Global Leaders Program at the World Economic Forum. These are the policies that he is pushing. They want to make public transportation cheaper so more people will, will do ride on the public transit. They want to have car-free Sundays in large cities where the whole city on Sunday will be free of vehicles. Uh, they obviously want more people to work from home. They want alternative pri to private car use in large cities. Uh, promote efficient use of freight trucks and good delivery. Prefer high-speed trains to planes. Well, I wouldn't be here right now if I had to get on a train because there's, you know, it would be much slower and I wouldn't have gotten here on time. But I don't count, you know, businesses need to change their behavior. And, okay, let's I'll talk about food shortages. You know, the, the whole idea. To the next one. Um, now, when we listen to Mr. Schwab and his frankly bizarre ideas about connecting people's brains to the internet. Where does he get these, these ideas? Well, I did a little research and found out that they're not his own, even though he came out with a book, COVID-19 and the Great Reset, within basically two and a half months of COVID uh, being uh, discovered on the world scene, he came out with a book saying we need to use COVID to bring in this, these, new, uh, these new ways of controlling people. Uh, well, then I found out that his chief advisor, his chief advisor at the World Economic Forum is a man named Yuval Noah Harari. And Mr. Harari is an interesting character. He is a uh, professor of history at the university, at a university in Jerusalem, in Israel. He's fairly well known in Israel, but basically unknown here in the United States. He's the chief advisor to Mr. Schwab, and he says we are, quote, hackable animals as human beings, and as such, we can be reprogrammed. Let's take a look at uh, Mr. Harari. 
you know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. Free will, that's over. That's over. Over. Today, we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. Yeah, I mean, everything is being digitalized. Everything is being monitored. In this time of crisis, you have to follow science. It's often said that you should never allow a good crisis to go to waste because a crisis is an opportunity to also do re good reforms that in normal times people will never agree to. But in a crisis, you see we have no chance. So, 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 so let's do it. Vaccine won't help us go the to the test, of course. The vaccine will help <laughs> us, of course. It will make things you know, more manageable. Surveillance, people could look back in 100 years and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin, which I think is maybe the most important development of the 21st century, is this ability to hack human beings, to go under the skin, collect biometric data, analyze it, and understand people better than they understand themselves. This I believe, is maybe the most important event of the 21st century. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. Natural selection is replaced by intelligent design. The era of inorganic life is now beginning. In the coming decades, AI and biotechnology will give us godlike abilities to re-engineer life, and even to create completely new life forms. We are about to enter a new era of inorganic life shaped by intelligent design. Our intelligent design. Okay, so that is bizarre sounding, I know, but please do not make the mistake of thinking that this young man, I think he's about 45, is just sort of uh, a pie-in-the-sky daydreamer. This is the guy that the world's elites have called a prophet. Barack Obama called him his favorite author. He's been praised by Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, and of course Schwab. And so uh, this is a man that we should listen to because while what he's saying sounds bizarre, he's thinking two, three, five to ten years down the road. So while the God of the Bible has created you in his image with a body, soul, and spirit, people like Schwab, Gates, and Harari deny all of that. They do see the essence of the human being as triune, similar to the body, soul, and spirit. But instead of that, they see a physical, biological, and digital identity. You saw Schwab referring to that and saying, in the fourth industrial revolution, which is upcoming, part of the Great Reset, these three identities, your biological, physical, and digital identity will all be fused into one. This is Satan's, in my opinion, this is Satan's counterfeit, a perversion of God's crowning achievement in creation. Satan is using transhumanism, seeking to recreate the human species according to man's idea of what makes the perfect person. Are you starting to see now this yes, system differs we, from we, standard we communism? This is why I say we are not being taken over by communists. 
They're simply one of the many tools on the way to a technotronic utopia. Useful idiots, idiots, if you will. We are being taken over by something even more sinister. Global predators who adhere to a type of fascism, only I believe it's much more subtle than World War II German version of fascism. The modern, the modern technocratic dictatorship operates under the assumption that the best slave is one who thinks he is free. The great novelist Aldous Huxley understood this and predicted it back in 1931 when he said, quote, the perfect dictatorship would be the appearance of a democracy, but would basically be a prison without walls in which the prisoners would not even dream of escaping. It would essentially be a system of slavery where through consumption and entertainment, the slaves would love their servitudes, unquote. The key there is deception. They woo you in with their exciting technology and lies about how it will make your life better, more convenient, more productive, safe, and secure. They use all the buzzwords. This is more dangerous, in my opinion, than Stalin's use of brute force. Whereas the old Soviet Union communists crushed the churches, the Fourth Reich, just like its predecessor in the Third Reich, believes it can co-opt the churches. Only those churches that do not buy into the system will be persecuted. Like the Third, like the Third Reich before it, the Fourth Reich worships science and data and uses it to its advantage, not yours. Science and data get weaponized against their opponents. If you dissent from their narrative, you are not, quote, following the science. In terms of propaganda, they have weaponized not only the media, but the public education systems against the principles of the Bible and our Constitution. Now there are some differences, I'm going to point out, between the Third Reich and the Fourth Reich. Instead of being nationalists like the Third Reich, the Fourth Reich is globalist. Instead of cultivating obedient citizens of Germany or Austria, they want global citizens with no love of any particular nation. That's why they're in the business of destabilizing nations right now. Violent crime, open borders, the drugging of America, the circuses, the inflation, stoking racial divisions, that all plays into destabilization. Before you can have the great reset, you must have the great collapse. That's why they weaponize everything and go from one crisis to the next until the West, in particular the United States, is totally destabilized. Remember Harari's statement that we just heard a second ago on the screen. They must take advantage of crises because it is only in a crisis that you can get people to go along with radical changes that they would normally resist. Schwab, Klaus Schwab, has said that COVID should be used as a, quote, narrow window of opportunity to transform society and that these changes will be permanent. So in the end, they've weaponized the public education system. They've weaponized the media. They've weaponized the border, 200,000 people per month coming in. We don't know who they are. Weaponized the healthcare system everything with a singular goal in mind, the collapse of the United States of America as we know it.
Harari said that pandemics would be used in particular to usher in this new system that he and Schwab have called the Great Reset, that others have called the New World Order, and that I'm calling the Beast System. Now, I believe the biggest crises are yet to come, that COVID-19 was just the first phase. But the pandemics did serve its purpose. It got people used to obeying unscientific, illogical rules, wearing a mask that doesn't protect you, conducting more of your life online as opposed to in person, learning to accept your employer dictating to you what your healthcare decisions should be, to the point of receiving regular injections of an unknown chemical substance. They want you to believe it's impossible to look at someone and know whether they're male or female. The Bible says God created us as male and female, so they must say the opposite, and you must believe them. This whole thing is built around a system of rewards and punishments. Remember in George Orwell's 1984 novel, his classic book, 1984, Winston, and you remember he was sitting in this interrogation room, and his, interrogation, his interrogator held up three fingers. And he asked Winston, how many fingers do I have up? And Winston kept saying, three. But that was the wrong answer. Winston had to say it was four because, that, because the party told him it was four. Winston could not be released back into, into society until he believed that the number was whatever his interrogator told him it was, not what he saw with his own eyes. It's the same today. That's why the Supreme Court nominee, Judge Jackson, just last week said she could not define what makes a woman because she knew that that definition could change tomorrow and she would have been on record with the wrong answer. So they accomplished a lot from this last crisis, the pandemic, but they've got a problem. They discovered that roughly 70% of America was willing to abide by any and all of these nonsensical edicts the lockdowns of small businesses and churches while Walmart and liquor stores were allowed to stay open, the constant testing and quarantining of healthy people. At least 70% of Americans believed all these lies and they obeyed either out of fear of the virus or fear of their fellow citizens, peer pressure. But here's the problem. They were unable to manipulate, they were able to manipulate 70% but they still have 30% to contend with, the resistors. How do they plan to bring them into line? You can't have a great reset, which claims to fundamentally transform every facet of our lives with 30% of the people in the world's most prosperous country, the US, opting out. UN Agenda 2030 openly states that this is the plan for all people everywhere. No person will be left behind. That's a direct quote from the agenda. That's why the globalists at the World Economic Forum have at least two or three more crises in their bag of tricks. They have talked about a coming massive cyber attack that would target our banking system and possibly our electric grid. 
They've been talking openly about World War III for the first time in my life. I was born in the early 60s. World War III with Russia, they've been talking about severe food shortages. No one alive in America has ever heard this kind of talk from an American president, but now we're hearing it from Joe Biden. We, we, so talk about food shortages. And, uh, and it's going to be real. The, the price of these sanctions is not just imposed upon Russia. It's imposed upon an awful lot of countries as well, including European countries and our country as well. And uh, because both uh, Russia and Ukraine have been the breadbasket of Europe in terms of wheat, for example. Just give one example. But we had a long discussion uh, in the G7 with, uh, um, the, uh, with both uh, the United States, which has a, a significant, the third largest producer of wheat in the world, as well as Canada, which is also a major, major producer. And we both talked about how we could increase and disseminate more rapidly food, food shortages. And in addition to that, we talked about uh, urging all the European countries and everyone else to end trade restrictions on, on sending, uh, limitations on sending food abroad. And so we are in the process of working out with our European- You know, the- because he, he will drone on forever. I'll come. Uh, there's no better way to destabilize a nation, a region, or the world than to create food shortages. And here you have a president admitting that his own policy is going to create food shortages. Biden said they're going to mitigate those food shortages by sending more food out of the U.S. to other countries, while at the same time he's opening our borders and inviting the world to come here. That sounds to me like a recipe for disaster, and I expect food rationing and bread lines perhaps within the next year here in America. None of this is incompetence. It's all by design. Gas prices, $4 a gallon, that's not by accident. Food prices uh, soaring and eventually food shortages. None of that will be an accident. They've already foretold it. They must collapse the U.S. dollar-based global economy before they can fully implement the Great Reset, the crowning achievement of which will be a digital global money system and a digital global ID system. That's when you have the final phase of the Great Reset and the onset of the long-coveted New World Order. Whether they are successful or not depends on you. Will you blindly walk into their trap during the next crisis, or will you resist? Thank you. Leo Holman, thank you so much for that great presentation. It's tough to hear, but important to hear. Again, Leo Holman, L-E-O-H-O-H-M-A-N-N.com. He's an investigative reporter. Well, our next speaker you're going to enjoy, his name is Dr. Michael Rechtenwald. He is the Chief Academic Officer of American Scholars. Dr. Rechtenwald is another expert on the World Economic Forum, and he will expand our understanding of this critical organization that seeks to redefine our existence, as Leo Holman just told us. 
Dr. Rechtenwald's work has been read by millions of people. As I urge you to with Leo Homan, would you please invite others that you know right now to listen to Dr. Rechtenwald's important message. Would you please join me in giving a warm Regent University welcome to Dr. Michael Rechtenwald. Thank you very much, Dean Bachman. It was great to uh, it's great to be here, and I appreciate the invitation. And I was a little nervous about speaking, but after watching Biden, the President of the United States, <laughs> I figure I couldn't do worse, and I certainly don't have that uh, function. So now, is the Great Reset a conspiracy theory? This seems to be the question. Is it a vast uh, left-wing plot? to establish a totalitarian world government? No, it is not a conspiracy theory, even though some people have spun conspiracy theories based on it, and with good reason, as we shall see. The Great Reset is real. Indeed, in June 2020, Klaus Schwab, founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, and Thierry Malaret, published a book called COVID-19, The Great Reset. In the book, they define the Great Reset as a means of addressing the weaknesses of capitalism that were purportedly exposed by the COVID epidemic, pandemic. But the idea of the Great Reset goes back much further. It can be traced at least as far back uh, to the, as the inception of the World Economic Forum, originally founded as the European Management Forum in 1971. In that same year, Schwab, an engineer and economist by training, published his first book, Modern Enterprise Management and Mechanical Engineering. It was this book, uh, in this book, that Schwab first introduced the concept of what he later called stakeholder capitalism. Uh, and I will explain what stakeholder capitalism is soon. Schwab and the WEF have promoted the idea of stakeholder capitalism ever since. They can take credit for the stakeholder and public-private partnership rhetoric and policies embraced by governments, corporations, non-governmental organizations, and international governance bodies worldwide. In 2018 and 2019, two key events took place that became a primary inspiration for the current Great Reset project. And for obvious reasons, they provided fresh fodder for conspiracy theories, so-called. Please don't blame me for the latter. All I'm doing is relating the historical facts. In May of 2018, the WEF collaborated with the John Hopkins Center for Health Security to conduct Clade X, a simulation of a national pandemic response. In October of 2019, the WEF collaborated with John Hopkins and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation on another pandemic exercise, Event 201, which simulated, simulated an international response to the outbreak of a novel coronavirus. This was two months before the COVID outbreak in China became news and five months before the World Health Organization declared it a pandemic and it closely resembled the future COVID scenario, including incorporating the idea of asymptomatic, asymptomatic spread. The Clade X and Event 201 simulations 
anticipated almost every eventuality of the COVID crisis, most notably the responses by governments, health agencies, the media, tech companies, and elements of the public. The, the simulated responses and their effects included worldwide lockdowns. This is all simulated two months before Corona. Worldwide lockdowns, the collapse of businesses and industries, the adoption of biometric surveillance technologies, an embrace of social media, an emphasis on social media to combat misinformation and disinformation, the flooding of social and legacy media with authoritative sources, widespread riots, i.e. the mostly peaceful protests, and mass unemployment. <clears throat> In addition to being promoted as a response to COVID, however, the Great Reset is promoted as a response to climate change. On June 2019, the WEF signed a memorandum of understanding with the United Nations to form a partnership, the UN 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. Shortly after that, the WEF published the United Nations World Economic Forum Strategic Partnership Framework for Agenda 2030. They promised, the WEF did, to finance the UN's climate change agenda and committed the uh, WEF to help the UN meet the needs of the fourth industrial revolution mentioned by, discussed by Leo, including providing access and expertise for digital governance, digital governance. In June 2020, at its 50th annual meeting, the WEF announced the Great Reset's official launch. A month later only, Schwab and Malaret published their book, COVID-19, The Great Reset. In this book, they declared, and I looked up this word opportunity, and they used the word opportunity 17 times. I'll give you a few examples. They declared that COVID represents, quote, an opportunity that can be seized, that, quote, we should take advantage of this unprecedented opportunity to reimagine our world, that the moment must be seized to take advantage of this unique window of opportunity, that for those fortunate enough to find themselves in industries naturally resistant to the pandemic, think here of big tech companies like Apple, Google, Facebook, and Amazon, the crisis was not only more bearable, but even a source of profitable opportunities at a time for, of distress for the majority. The Great Reset usher, aims to usher in a bewildering economic amalgam. Schwab's stakeholder capitalism, uh, and this is the title of one of his books, which I have called, and you'll understand why as I explain this, corporate socialism, corporate socialism, in which Italian philosopher Giorgio Agamben has called communist capitalism. In brief, uh, stakeholder capitalism involves the behavioral modification of corporations to benefit not only shareholders, but stakeholders, individuals or groups that supposedly stand to benefit or lose from corporate behavior. They make it sound very benign and they use very euphemistic language. Stakeholder capitalism, however, involves corporate reporting and control of every aspect of doing business, including what businesses may produce, what materials they may use, uh, including what kinds of persons they may hire, uh, what kind of identity these persons have. Uh, and then they also <coughs> require 
Uh, stakeholder capitalism requires not only corporate responses to pandemics and ecological issues such as climate change, but also rethinking their commitments to already vulnerable communities within their ecosystems. What they're talking about there is the social justice aspect of the Great Reset. The hiring and promotion of supposedly beleaguered minorities or affirmative action on steroids, effectively. Basically, this idea that they would control boards, uh, uh, the uh, management, and so forth, and even the constitution of the employee base, regardless of, uh, of, uh, of capabilities. So to comply with that, Governments, banks, and asset managers use the Environmental, Social, and Governance Index. Uh, and what they use this for is to benefit the ESG-abiding companies, that is, those who abide by this index, and to squeeze non-woke corporations and businesses out of the market. This is a, 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 this is a classic a monopolization scheme. The ESG index is essentially a Chinese-style social credit system score system that is used to drive ownership and control of production away from the non-woke or non-compliant. Soon, it will be applied to individuals. They're already floating the idea of the individual ESG score. How, how well do you abide by the environmental, social, and governance indexes? Now, one of the WEF's many powerful uh, strategic partners who was mentioned already, BlackRock Inc., the world's largest asset manager, they don't own all this stock, they manage the stock and they control where the investments go. They're solid be, solidly behind the stakeholder model. In 2019, BlackRock Inc.'s CEO, Larry uh, Fink, led a U.S. business roundtable during which the CEOs from 181 major corporations redefined the purpose of a corporation in terms of stakeholder capitalism, signaling the supposed end to shareholder-driven capitalism. This is significant. 181 major corporations have signed on to stakeholder capitalism. <clears throat> Now, the WEF has over 1,000 corporate partners, by the way. In his 2021 letter to CEOs, Larry Fink made firm his position on investment decisions, declaring that, quote, climate risk is investment risk, and, quote, the creation of sustainable index investments has enabled a massive acceleration of capital towards companies better prepared to address climate risk. Fink promised a tectonic shift in investment behavior, an, an increasing acceleration of investments going to sustainability-focused companies. Now, this is the largest asset manager in the world. Fink warned CEOs, and because this will have such a dramatic impact on how capital is allocated, every management team and board will need to consider how this will impact their company's stock. Now, Fink's letter also urged every company to provide a net zero plan. And thus throwing down the stakeholder gauntlet, Fink echoed the menacing words of Klaus Schwab, who in June 2020 wrote, and I have to imitate him, every country from the United States to China must participate, and every industry from oil, gas to tech must be transformed. In short, we need a great reset of capitalism. 
uh, Fink's 2022 letter to CEOs, The Power of Capitalism, strangely titled, continues the strong-armed advancement of stakeholder capitalism, suggesting that stakeholder capitalism has always been the modus operandi of corporations. According to Fink, Stakeholder capitalism is not an aberration. It is not a social or ideological agenda, he says. He contends it is not woke. It is capitalism. Fink's recent letters to CEOs are more than reports or suggestions. They represent an implicit threat. Go woke or go broke. In their book on the Great Reset, Schwab and Malaret pit stakeholder capitalism against neoliberalism, as they call it, defining the latter as, quote, a corpus of ideas and policies favoring competition over solidarity, creative destruction over government intervention, and economic growth over social welfare, as if those are opposed, economic growth and social welfare. In other words, neoliberalism refers to the free market system, and this is what they want to get rid of. In opposing that system, stakeholder capitalism entails corporate cooperation with the state and vastly increased government intervention in industry. Uh, proponents of the Great Reset hold neoliberalism responsible for all of our economic woes, but in blaming the free market, Schwab and company are actually complaining about the very thing that they're causing. Uh, the real problem is not uh, capitalism or the free market, corporatism, otherwise known as economic fascism, involves the politicization of the economy and the coordinated production and running of society by a consortium of dominant interest groups or exactly what the WEF promotes. If anything, stakeholder capitalism is a form of corporatism. Furthermore, contrary to Fink's assertion, the corporatism that he advances uh, that he does involve the exercise of corporate power and relies on state sanctions to produce a particular ideological and political agenda. And that agenda is wokeness. Woke capitalism is thus better thought of as woke corporatism or woke fascism. While approved corporations are not necessarily monopolies, the tendency of the Great Reset is toward monopolization vesting as much control over production and distributed distribution to as few favored corporations as possible while eliminating industries and producers deemed non-essential or inimical, especially oil producers. So this is, a vast, this is a vast monopoly scheme. Another way of describing the goal of the Great Reset is capitalism with Chinese characteristics. Now, this is a play on the Chinese, capitalist, uh, Chinese Communist Party's own slogan, socialism uh, with uh, Chinese characteristics. What it really amounts to is what Murray Rothbard called state capitalism. And state capitalism is the system under which the state divvies out the control of all industries to preferred corporate cartels. In the case of the Great Reset, I call them the woke cartels. Uh, so what happened is in the, the 70s, after Mao's death, Deng Xiaoping uh, basically said, we need to reformulate our economy. It's crashing, you know. It was a disaster. Uh, production had gone down. Uh, the standard of living was, was falling. So 
you know, all the wonders of Chinese economy really comes down to implementing a for-profit system controlled by the state. And they called it socialism with Chinese characteristics. The idea they thought was that this would only be a short period of time under which communism would be uh, supplemented with, a capital, with capitalism. But after 100 years, after all these people were dead, in other words, after 100 years, then they could get to full communism. So they had to go through capitalism to get through communism because this is what Marx said, that socialism only follows capitalism. It has to come first. Um, now, they, they said basically that China needed a capitalist booster shot. Uh, but stripped of its socialist uh, pretensions, the Chinese system amounts to a socialist or communist state increasingly funded by capitalist economic development. The Great Reset represents the development of the Chinese system in the West only in reverse, whereas the Chinese political class began with a socialist political system and then introduced privately held for-profit production the West began with capitalism and is introducing Chinese-style political, a Chinese-style political system now. Now, I don't think it's fascism. I think it's more like corporate socialism, and I'll explain why. This Chinese-style system uh, includes vastly increased state intervention in the economy on the one hand and the kind of authoritarian measures that the Chinese government uses to control its population on the other. Schwab and Malaret write, if the past five centuries in Europe and America have taught us anything, it is that, quote, acute crises contribute to boosting the power of the state. It has always been the case, and there is no reason it should be different with the COVID-19 pandemic. So the draconian lockdowns, as we've already heard, uh, were employed by Western governments. They managed to accomplish goals which corporate socialists in the WEF could only dream. Above all, the destruction of small businesses, eliminating competitors for corporate monopolists. In the US alone, according to the uh, Foundation for Economic Education fee, uh, millions of small businesses closed their doors due to lockdowns and Yelp in data indicates that 60% of those closures became permanent. Meanwhile, companies like Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google enjoyed record gains. You know, it really vexed me. How was it that you had these massive capitalist corporations, Amazon, Facebook, Google, uh, Twitter, all these, and they're espousing socialist rhetoric and promote, promoting socialists on their websites? I explain all that. That's what, that's what I tried to solve, that riddle. Uh, so this basically, the, the, uh, the, just as predicted, the COVID crisis ushered in an acceleration of the Great Reset, uh, monopolization, increasing monopolization on top, and actually existing socialism for everybody on the ground. That's the phrase that dissidents in the Soviet Union used to describe what socialism was really like, actually existing socialism. Now, onto the governance aspect uh, of this. The stakeholder model of public-private partnerships uh, and corporations in league with the state uh, spills into the governance model of the Great Reset. Uh, woke corporatism not only involves the interjection of government into business affairs, it also places corporations in decision-making positions within governments. 
defined by the, uh, drafted by the WEF after the 2008 economic crisis, the Global Redesign Initiative it contains a 600-page report on transforming global governance. In the WEF's vision, quote, the government voice would be one among many without always being the final arbiter. Well, who's the other part? The other part is the corporate, corporate part. This configuration yields a corporate state hybrid that is largely unaccountable to the constituencies of national governments. Uh, Terence Corcoran of the Financial Post writes, the growing popularity of government-run industrial policy is one side of a bad economic coin that's circulating through Canada and American political circles. I would say it through the entire West. The other movement taking shape simultaneously in corporate circles proposes to install corporations as global arbiters and enforcers of environmental, social, and governance policies. With the first, via industrial policy, the state, the state takes a heavy hand in running the private economy. With the other, the ESG, corporations play a large role in set, setting and controlling policies usually assigned in a constitutional democracy to the state. After all, these are supposedly uh, elected representatives that are supposed to represent us. Instead, we have corporate a corporate uh, state hybrid. Uh, this will be growing in, in, uh, pre uh, in, in, in size as time goes on. We saw it already with the COVID crisis, the way corporations came in and acted as apparatuses of the state in order to punish and uh, control the population. <clears throat> so governance is not only though under this plan, not only is the governance privatized to a large extent, which would be the cry of the left, oh no, look at the privatization, but also and more importantly, corporations are deputized as major additions to governments and international bodies, intergovernmental bodies, that is to say the the corporations become state appendages, in effect. Thus, the Great Reset involves the surreptitious subversion of democratically elected governments. So this is how we can say, finally, why it is totalitarian in nature, because we don't have any say in what's happening and it's totalizing. Now, we've heard a bit about the Fourth Industrial Revolution already, but I'll talk a little bit more about it. Most of the ideas for the Fourth Industrial Revolution came from people like Ray Kurzweil in his book, The Singularity is Near, Near and other such tomes, which, which vaunted the coming of this new transhuman individual, or non-individual, really, <laughs> uh, this new transhuman blob, really. Uh, so the Fourth Industrial Revolution is definitely part of this great reset, and Klaus Schwab wrote a book by this very title. Uh, the 4IR, as I'll call it for short, marks the convergence of existing and emerging fields including big data, artificial intelligence, machine learning, quantum computing, genetics, nanotechnology, and robotics. The foreseen result will be, as Leo mentioned, the merging of the physical, physical digital, and biological worlds. Some of the proposed and already developed uh, elements include Digital identities, not, not digital IDs, digital identities. This is be, the difference between an ID and an identity is an identity is a collection of everything about you by which every digital action that one takes 
Every click of a mouse or, or, or a pad is recorded, collated, and connected with one's digital identity. This is a, con a, co a concatenation of all of your activity. The Internet of Things, uh, all resources given a digital identity. So everything will be tracked. Uh, the Internet of Bodies, all resources, I'm sorry, all people given a digital identity, as I said. CB, uh, CBDC, or Central Bank Digital Currency, by which every financial tra uh, transaction will be known and some even precluded. Uh, smart cities, where every action one takes is tracked and traced, reported to a centralized database, and attached to a social credit score, likely the personal ESG. And so, in short, I would say, if not taken out of the hands of these corporate socialists, uh, the 4IR technology will entail, or could entail, a virtual prison of body and mind. Uh, now, other more pedestrian elements that have uh, advanced the Great Reset have included unfettered immigration, travel restrictions for otherwise legal border, border crossing, the Federal Reserve's unrestrained printing of money and the subsequent inflation, increased taxation, increased dependence on the state, broken supply chains, and the prospect of personal carbon allowances. That is part of your ESG. How much carbon are you allowed, uh, are you allowed to use? Such policies reflect the fairness aspect of the Great Reset. All the language they use is euphemistic and uh, doublespeak, okay? Fairness requires lowering the economic status of people in wealthier nations like the US relative to the rest of the world like people in the third world. They're not gonna create fairness by elevating anyone. The fairness is a, it's a downward-based egalitarianism. Uh, this is where woke ideology comes in, and this will be in addition to some things that have been said. Well, what could wokeness have to do with the Great Reset? I mean, what's the possible connection here? Well, let's think about this. Wokeness is not aimed at the sufferers or supposed sufferers and the sufferings it is supposed to redress. The wokeness, no, it works on the majority, the supposed beneficiaries of injustice. It does so by making the majority understand that it has benefited from privilege and preference. Skin color, sexual proclivity, and gender identification are amongst the list of growing, a growing list of culprits. So the majority must be re rehabilitated. In order to affect a great reset, it has to have an ideological component. The masses must understand that they have gained whatever advantage that they have hitherto enjoyed, including their freedom, based on the unfair treatment of others, either directly or indirectly. And this unfair treatment is predicated on the circumstances of birth. So what are the expected attitudinal and behavioral adjustments to be taken by the majority? They are to expect less, so much so that they will be expected to eat insects for protein instead of meat, and I'm not kidding. They, they advertise this, uh, they publicize this on the World Economic Forum, and there are companies in Israel making this insect paste. Um, and they're calling it biblical protein, by the way. Watch out for the lies. Wokeness works by habituating the majority 
to the reduced expectations of the Great Reset. Uh, it indoctrinates the majority into the propertyless future, for them at least, of the Great Reset objectives. So, let's back up a little bit. Is this Great Reset a conspiracy theory? I mean, it's a, is this just a conspiracy? I think that I've, I've shown and we've seen this is an avowed plan. Uh, it has many discrete and moving parts. Uh, there are the economic parts, and that's very important. And I think the economics can be described as communist capitalism, corporate socialism, economic fascism, uh, or state capitalism. All those things are effectively congruent. Then there is, of course, the governance part. All that has to do with is the way corporations and states become partners in governing, and the way governance is then basically offshored to corporations who bring their massive assets to the table, including the technological assets that help monitor, control, and co uh, collect data on each and every one of us. So that's what they bring to the table. And then, of course, there's the 4IR element, which is the technology aspect and all of the various developments uh, up to and, and possibly inclusive of transhumanism, which also includes the prospect, by the way, of using nanotechnology, what they call side of smart dust, that you could actually not take voluntarily, but might be induced by a firm handshake or even floating in the air between you and someone else. It attaches to the uh, neurons of the, ne of the neocortex and allows information flows in and out of the neurons. This is under development. I worked in robotics at Carnegie Mellon in an AI lab. This is really happening. Okay, this is not fake. I'm not talking about something completely far off in the future. They're already developing this technology now. Um, so it might not be chips. I think it'll likely be nanobots. Uh, and then, of course, there is the ideological component which is wokeness, I believe. So really, when you hear about wokeness, it's not some stupid way of, for Twitter people to attack you or be attacked by Twitter mobs. It's not just cancel culture. It is the indoctrination of the majority into this future of less, expecting less, and getting less. Um, so but let me end on a note of hope, if I may. Uh, because the goals of the Great Reset uh, depend on the obliteration of the free market, uh, also of individual liberty and free will, it is perhaps ironically unsustainable. That is to say, they, <laughs> we can reappropriate their language of sustainability and suggest that this is unsustainable. From an economic standpoint, it will crash because you cannot have a thriving economy that destroys the middle class. Uh, this is known very well. And you know, they point to China's success as, a, as a, an example, but they're really, really stupid in thinking that China would have risen to where it was without the consumer base of the free market in the US and the West to buy their products. So you know, when you destroy the free market, there will be a crash. Uh, there is no other way, as uh, Ludwig von Mises pointed out, you cannot, there is, there is no socialism. There's never been socialism because it doesn't work at all. It never can be affected. 
So socialism is always ideological and political when it comes down to it. Uh, it is unsustainable. Like the other attempts at totalitarian control, I believe the Great Reset is doomed to fail. But this doesn't mean that in the process it won't, like the earlier attempts, leave tremendous destruction in its wake and untold suffering. Well, most of which would be the loss of human potential and purpose. This is the main crux of the issue. The loss of human potential and purpose. This is all the more reason to oppose it with all the resources at our disposal. This is why I've been talking to congresspersons about this, uh, the Conservative Opportunity Society and other groups, uh, and why we must try to pressure our legislators into doing something to stop these processes. So they need to know what they are first. And that's what our job is to do, is to inform them to divest from ESG abiding companies. It's very difficult to get your assets out of certain uh, stocks. For example, if you're in mutual funds, how do you know which of these companies are in invest or abiding by ESG dictates and enforcing woke dictates on, on everyone else? But it's doable. And there are funds that are available that are outside of that aegis. And then building parallel economic and political structures. Because if they're gonna crush the free market, we must keep it alive, even as a vestige, as a remnant, in order for the future to inherit. Because without that, we will have nothing to have handed off. We must keep the free market alive. We must do it by virtue of exchange and production. We must become, each of us, more entrepreneurial. Because you can't be canceled from yourself yet. Uh, and so the idea here is to become as independent economically as you can. I'm not saying everybody's got to be independently wealthy. I mean independently oriented and, uh, and less reliant on institutions that could destroy you in a heartbeat. Uh, and there are many other things we should do, not the least of which is to pray, frankly, uh, because we're up against a behemoth. Uh, a beast system, and it has to be stopped. Thank you very much. Dr. Rechtenwald, thank you so much for that wonderful, wonderful message. Leo Homan and Dr. Michael Rechtenwald will return to the stage for your questions following our next presentation from United States Senator Rand Paul.